Welcome to today's edition of Draft Utopia. Chris Ransom here, and got another as exciting podcast for you guys. I'm going to be breaking down round 12 of the Bantle Fantasy Football League. I'll be breaking down more NFL coronavirus updates as well. But the big story has to be Caleb Fairley. He has chosen to opt out of this year in college football. And this was news moments after I promoted yesterday's podcast. This became breaking news. Caleb Fairley, the Virginia Tech junior corner that has a first-round grade, is the first player to opt out of the college football season due to coronavirus. And this is the big story right now because this is big. This is Virginia Tech's best player. So to lose him for the season, that is a huge loss for the Virginia Tech Hokies. They do have a national rank of 24. And when we start breaking down these top 25 teams next week, We'll break down Virginia Tech on Tuesday for what the FBS. But today, I'm looking at mainly, because this is a huge loss. Caleb Fairley is the man zone coverage you'd like. His press coverage is pretty decent. In fact, we'll watch a little Caleb Fairley tape. I rarely open up my shows with film sessions, but to, we're going to make an exception for today with... um. Caleb Fairley opting out. We're going to watch Caleb Fairley's uh, Caleb Fairley film cut. Caleb Farley. Caleb Farley. We're going to watch a Caleb Farley film cut. And we're going to watch him against Notre Dame. Uh, on the iPhone here. First play of the game, he's covering Cole Met. And Cole Met's able to get by him and get the reception, but he prevents Met from getting a first down. With some nice man coverage. Second play there. Um, he does a good job tackling Cole Met. So. I've only seen him play man and press on these first few plays. Yeah, he can definitely press. I've not seen him play zone. I've seen him play mainly man and press on three plays so far. But he does a nice job neutralizing. And he just can't st seem to stop Cole Met. Or whoever they put against him, whether it be Claypool or Met. 88 is able to get by him. And Ian Book's been able to pick him apart in some of the film here. Ian Book's doing a nice job reacting to this Virginia Tech defense, but this is the Caleb Farley versus Virginia Tech cornerback three versus Notre Dame. Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech cornerback number three versus Notre Dame 2019. Film cut uploaded by Hash. Hash was a friend of mine. I knew him in a film group. Okay, we're going back. We're, I think Caleb Farley just intercepted a pass, so we're going to go back and watch that play again. Yeah, because on that last play, one more time, we're going to watch it in slow motion here, if we can. Um, playback speed, let's reduce that to half a second. I'll watch this Caleb Farley pick once again in slow motion. So Book makes a three, four, five-step drop. And Farley just dives, anticipates that throw. He dives, and he picks off Cole Met. 
I don't, I, yeah, he was playing zone on that play. So Caleb Farley can play any type of coverage, whether it's man, zone, or press. I mean, that's one of his best attributes on tape. And that's one of the things that's going to make Caleb Farley the first-round corner. I mean, he can play man, zone, or press effectively, but you want to see him improve his game speed. I don't think he has the game speed yet to be an NFL corner, but he's working out and training. He's going to improve his game speed. So he has, because he needs a good 40 time. He does not look like a corner with NFL game speed on film. But he has the man zone and press coverage. He hits hard. He tackles effectively. He pretty much checks off all the boxes just by watching his tape against Notre Dame. And Dion Reed, a friend of mine, he's a college scout for views from the 22, but he basically said that he's the best player on this Virginia Tech team. And I, I can't really argue with that, just based on the film. Athlon Sports Magazine said the same thing. Because he is shutting down these guys. I mean, he gave up a few big plays. But overall, he he gave up like one, big, one or two big plays at the beginning of the film session against Notre Dame, but he's recovered nicely since that point. So... I can't really fault Farley for that. And as I'm watching this film session, I'm trying to figure out where Farley's going to end up going in the draft, what team is going to be in the market for his services. Because this is... I got some big news with college soccer as well, and I'll, I'll report that shortly. After I watch the Caleb Farley film cut, because I've seen about three minutes of this 13-minute film cut, and I'm convinced that Farley can do everything on tape, but I want to see if he misses any assignments or forgets to do what he needs to do in order to get the job done. And we'll talk more about Caleb Farley in depth on a podcast at some point. Because it's the second quarter of this game, this Virginia Tech-Notre Dame game.
But here we go. We're still watching Caleb Farley's film cut. I do have some news that will affect college soccer. One of the conferences did get shut down yesterday. And there's Claypool. He makes a catch. He gets by Farley on that play. So I've seen at least 10 good plays and three bad plays with Caleb Farley. The good outweighs the bad. He'll get beat from time to time. But the good definitely outweighs the bad, at least by a 3-to-1 ratio. So for every three good plays he has, he'll have one bad play. That's really what you got to look at if you're keeping track of the play count. Because if you see good plays and bad plays, what's the good play-to-bad play ratio? And I'm going through this film session here. Ian Book has not... Ian Book's looked smooth against Virginia Tech, and they got a really tough, stingy defense just based on this film session here. Farley. I keep saying fairly, it's Farley. And he's aggressive. He's got this aggressive demeanor. Good instincts. And Farley can, sometimes he will press so much. And he's playing zone, man press. He can take, play any type of coverage effectively. Cover one, cover two, cover three, cover four. It's this type of skill set that makes Farley a first round pick. And I probably should do more film session commentaries like this on the podcast. But since Farley chose to opt out, decided to do like a film session on him watch an actual film session and commentate what I see on the YouTube channel play-by-play play against Notre Dame's defense. Because Cameron Bynum, another corner I like that can play man zone or press effectively, he was very articulate. And Edge Sports Network, a, another draft site, Edge Sports Network, they did an interview with um, Cameron Bynum, and he sounded very articulate, just big, breaking down the plays what did I tweet about Bynum's interview? That was a great interview with the Edge SN. I did three different film cuts on Cam Beasy in three different seasons, but to hear Bynum articulate the coverages and difficulty of the coverage schemes in such an articulate fashion makes me more comfortable about drafting him. Yeah, that's what I said. To hear him talk about that and describe the coverages and describe how he had to play in a difficult high school defense, how that helped him grow and evolve as a person... That makes me more comfortable with taking Bynum. Farley and Bynum are both, it's a strong cornerback draft. TJ Carter's in this class too. Washington's got a corner. Um, Ohio State's got Sean Wade, Paulson Adebo of Stanford. This is another strong cornerback class. And it feels like the third year in a row where we've had a really strong cornerback group. Patrick Sertain the second. Yeah, this is another good corner group. And... I will um, just finish that film cut because I do have some other soccer news that I want to talk about here from French college soccer. College soccer FR. But yes, here is the um, news I got. It has to do with college soccer.
Big East cancels their fall season. Ooh. But Georgetown may not play this fall. That's one of the things I heard. They're going to do conference only if they do Big East. But if that's true, this college soccer season, you may as well just cancel it. Because I don't like the idea of Georgetown not being able to play for a title. That really makes me uncomfortable here. And Oregon State got a lot of... They got Mohamed Thiam, Mohamed Thiam, I think he's the younger brother of Mohamed Thiam, who was an MLS guy who went to Rutgers and then transferred to another school. But the Big West, okay, the Big West comp, the Big West Conference canceled their college, canceled fall sports. The Big West Conference canceled fall sports. You're probably saying to yourself, why does the Big West matter? It's not a football conference. You're right, the Big West is not a football conference. But the Big West is a huge conference for college soccer. I don't think people realize how this affects college soccer because um, Big West is not Big West is going to cancel fall sports. And you look at all the schools the Big West has. Cal Poly, the Cal State Fullerton Titans, who are known for both their college soccer and college baseball. Canceled. U California Irvine is canceled. They have a good soccer program. Hawaii. Hawaii Warriors will not play soccer. They could still play football. They'll miss the first two weeks of the football season, but the USSB, UC Santa Barbara Gauchos are d not playing soccer this year either. And they're in the Big West too. So USSB, UC Santa Barbara, California, University of California, Santa Barbara, Gauchos, they're not playing this season. Cal State Fullerton's not playing this season. Cal Poly's not playing this season. But you look at this draft class, I have... um. Rodney Michael, the UC Santa Barbara forward, going 12th in my MLS mock after his fantastic junior season. He's not going to get a chance to build on that senior season and play this fall and show scouts he's worthy of a top 10 pick because I felt like if he had a good senior season, he could sneak into the top 10. Now he's going to be outside the top 10, and he might even slip further. So that's one. That's probably the one player that doesn't benefit from this. Clayton Tor. Um, Cal State Fullerton defender, he's not going to be playing this fall either. So there's two first-round picks, and if you, two first-round prospects that are already affected by this Big West cancellation, because there's two guys in the Big West that are affected by this change, and it's not a good change. All right, let's get into the um, round 12 of the Battle Fantasy Football League. I'm going to break these picks down, and then after that, I will break down, I will go to a break, and I'll break down um, 
what am I going to break down after the break? I'm going to break down um, the MLS returning, NBA returning, so N MLS, NBA, and then what the FBS. So the second segment will be MLS, NBA, and the third segment will be what the FBS. But the first big segment before we go to our first commercial break will be the Bama Fantasy Football League draft. And let's start with um, pick 111. Um, Selvin Taco Corp took Jimmy Garoppolo. Bama leaves the keeper on DK Metcalf, 12th round keeper. Heath Berman took Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback of the Panthers. The defending champion Mitch took Hunter Henry at 114. That's a nice value pick. Heath then followed that up with Damian Williams of the Chiefs, who's now out um, for the year. He chose to sit out. I, ch I, I took the 49ers defense one pick later. Mark took Harrison Butker, the Chiefs kicker. Um, Austin Hooper, the Browns tight end. Um, Avengers took him. Noah Fant went to Car Ramrod. I know they're Team Ramrod, but they they used to be they used to be named Car Ramrod. So it's kind of hard to move on from that. And then George Pabst took Keyshawn Vaughn, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers rookie running back at one twenty. Now I'll reveal one twenty one through one thirty on tomorrow's podcast. The current Battle Fantasy Football League draft, which I'm in, is is a, you get twenty four hours to pick. You do. You get 24 hours to make your selection, and Heath has been on the clock. It's We're on pick 133 in the actual draft, and I do not pick again until pick 146. And I have even set up a big board of players that I want in rounds 14, 15, 16, 17, because the only positions I haven't drafted are my tight end, my kicker, and a flex. I've got one bench spot available. And CeeDee Lamb, the guy I was considering, who was in my top five in the seventh round, is still there. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of hoping he falls there, but if he doesn't, I'll, I'll probably load up. And there's another rookie tight end that I absolutely love. Well, there's two rookie tight ends that I love. But I don't expect either to make an impact with the team this season. So I'm probably going to draft a tight end and then a rookie tight end as well. If I can't get C.D. Lamb, I'm probably going to get a tight end and then a rookie tight end in round 17. And then I'll have two tight ends. And tight end is going to be the weak spot of my team this year. I've got the quarterbacks, the running backs, the receivers to win games. Even if I lose a receiver, even if I lose Kenny Galladay to coronavirus, I've got Jerry Judy, I've got Edelman, I've got Diggs. I've got six different receivers at least, six different receivers. Yeah, and I've got Edelman and Judy off the bench. Swift, Edelman, Judy, Derek Carr, and Dwayne Haskins are on my bench. I've got one bench spot left, one kicker, and one tight end spot. So, I'm looking at this, and I've got A.J. Brown, Robert Woods as my starters. I can move Diggs into that flex spot. I can move Edelman or Judy into that flex spot. There's a lot I can do with this team. So, I'm pretty confident I can make something happen. Even if I don't get to play the players I want to play, I have so I have six receivers, and I might get a seventh one. I have six receivers, four in my lot starting lineup, one in that flex spot, and two on the bench. And they all have separate bye weeks. So if Galladay misses any time due to coronavirus, I'm okay. I've got Edelman and Judy, but I'll have to start one of those guys instead of Galladay. And I'm looking at CeeDee Lamb, too. And if I can't get CeeDee Lamb, I'll probably double up at tight end and then cut Haskins and get another defense. So I have two defenses, two kickers. And... Tight end will be the weakness of my team. I'm admitting that that's probably going to be my weak spot because 
I've waited so long to get a tight end, and the tight ends, there's only a good finite supply of tight ends, and then after that, there's a drop-off at the position. And I've got a few on my board, and I'm just sticking to my board and waiting to see what happens. Not going to reveal my board, but I got Justin Tucker and Jonu Smith behind CeeDee Lamb. Because Justin Tucker's my top-ranked kicker. And if CeeDee Lamb is gone, I'll probably take Justin Tucker at 146. And if he's gone, I'll look at Jonu Smith. And if those guys are gone, I honestly don't know what to do. Because my number two tight end after Jonu Smith is TJ Hawkinson. He's on the coronavirus list. Dallas Goder is next behind those two tight ends. But he's a backup to Zach Ertz, and he might not even get any playing time. Jack Doyle of the Colts is there. Irv Smith Jr. is there. Sternberger. Dawson Knox is still there. Will Lutz is there. Prater. Robbie Gold. Greg Zerline. There's a lot to consider. So, I mean, I'm looking at this with a... If Hawkinson's on the coronavirus list... I might wait to get my tight ends until, because I just, I'm not sure I want to take Hawkinson until round 16. I, I'm not opposed to taking him, but I don't want to take him in round 15 now. Because I've got 146, 153, and 168. Yeah, that was a Final Fantasy Football League update. If you were listening, I know I got cut off as a phone call was made, but... I was about to make my closing points with this draft, meaning that if I don't get with one of those top three players on my big board, I'm open to trading up for one of those players because that those are the three players I really want. Joni Smith, CeeDee Lamb, and the kicker, Justin Tucker. So if two of those players get picked, I probably will move up again. And if they aren't, I'm going to have to uh, play with the cards I'm dealt. I'm going to have my option of those three players, because that's pretty much my strategy for 146. There's three players I'm looking at at 146 that I love, and then there's a, I think there's a massive drop-off between what's left on the board. So if I get one of those three at 146, I'll take them, and if not, I'm just going to let the board play itself out. Because there's so many things you can do. And I'm going to break down the MLS is back tournament. This resumes tonight. We, we're down to eight teams. The Union and Sporting Kansas City are in the quarterfinals. You've got New York City FC versus Portland. Um... Orlando City SC versus LAFC and then San Jose, Minnesota. So I'm going to pick Philadelphia and New York City FC to win in the quarterfinals and they'll meet in the semis. So the semifinals will be like the Eastern Conference Finals of an MLS Cup tournament and then LAFC will beat Orlando and I've got San Jose and Minnesota in that semifinals. I'm taking San Jose. I just think the Earthquakes have drafted really well from 2015 to 2020. I'm more confident in what they can do than I am in what Minnesota can do at this point, so I'm going to take those teams, because LAFC, they need better center back play, um, but they got everything else that you want a contender to have. They pretty much have the complete team. Orlando City SC has a pretty complete team, too. I think the winner of that Orlando-LA game could be the team that ends up winning this entire thing. Philadelphia has Andre Blake at goalie, and th uh, this team will go as far as Andre Blake's goaltending takes them.
New York just doesn't have the defense. They've had defensive issues for years, but Portland was a team that got battle-tested and worn out by FC Cincinnati, so that's what gives New York City FC a shot. And Minnesota's got Mason Toye, but they don't have Abu Dunlady anymore, and I just feel like this is San Jose is a team that can just has their number. And for that reason, I don't feel confident in Minnesota's odds. But Zion's going to play the Utah Jazz tonight. Zion Williamson, NBA is back. I love the Pelicans in this matchup. I mean, the Jazz have talent, but with Bogdan not back and Zion ready to come in and make a statement, I think New Orleans Pelicans are going to dominate. And then the Lakers, I think they should beat the Clippers without Landry Shamet. Clippers don't really have a shooting guard, so I think that works against them. And I'm looking at Landry Shamet, not them not having him, but they'll have Paul George, they'll have Kawhi Leonard. So they'll have their best guys. That'll help. Having their best players will definitely help the Pelicans out. And then the Lakers-Clippers game, that's going to be fun because... The Lakers and Clippers are... Oh, many media people are saying these are the two best teams in the NBA. And they are disrespecting the Milwaukee Bucks and their starting five because they're not big market teams. That's what ESPN's doing. But the Bucks have been my pick to win it all since the start of the year. And the Milwaukee Bucks with Eric Bledsoe, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, just that core of guys, I really think the Bucks are going to go all the way this year. But the first two games, the playoffs do not start until August 17th. These are the first two games with the NBA coming back, though. So there's some things to be excited about with that. And the last two topics are going to be Wake Forest and Indiana for football. And then I will call it a day. Um, Wake Forest lost their quarterback, Jamie Newman, to Georgia. And to be honest, I'm just not sure they can do anything without Newman. So they'll have Sage Surratt back at wide receiver. They'll have Sam Harton, a sophomore quarterback. But Sage Surratt, the junior, he's that core player on offense. And on defense, you have edge rusher Carlos Basham, Jr. And that's a player that can play right end or left end, got by both both offensive tackles against ACC opponents, double-digit sacks, doesn't have the motor or the speed you want an edge rusher to have, but he has the production of a first-round defensive end at this point. But he's a guy that if he does not match his sack total and improve his speed, improve his explosion off the edge, then he could potentially fall to the second round of the NFL draft. And you look at some of the other guys Wake Forest has, Tyler Williams, Solomon Kamara, Ja'Cory Johns. They have all four starters on the defensive line returning, so even if Basham gets double-teamed or triple-teamed, these returning starters are going to open, are going to make plays. Wake Forest is going to have one of the best defensive lines in the country. Ryan Smetta and Jaquez Williams are two linebackers for their nickel defense. They run a nickel. They have a rover instead of a nickel corner, and... 
they run a nickel defense with a rover instead of a nickel corner. And Wake Forest has the defensive line and linebackers. Some of the best defensive linemen and linebackers in the country. Unfortunately, their offense is going to be dependent on Sage Surratt, and they don't have Jamie Newman back, so they lost him. He transferred to Georgia. Kendall Hilton was a former QB, and Justin Stranad, he missed some time with injuries. But Sam Hartman, and Sam Hartman was a, did start as a true freshman in 2018 before Jamie Newman got to see the field. Hartman actually did beat out Newman for the QB job in 2018. And then he got injured and Newman took over for the last two years. So, and we haven't heard whether the ACC is going to go all conference only or not. They play Notre Dame. I don't know if the Notre Dame-Wake Forest game is still going to be in Charlotte or if it's just going to be at Wake Forest. But they'll probably lose that game even if they start 3-0. Then they should beat Duke. And then they get Miami, Florida, the Hurricanes at home. That's a loss. Florida State loss. NC State. They played NC State and won last year 44-10, so we'll give them a win against NC State. So that's three wins. But they don't have Newman. They had Newman last year, but I'll still give them a win. Syracuse, that's going to be tough. They lost to Syracuse in overtime, 39-30. So I'll probably give Syracuse the win. So that's two or three wins in conference play. It's Clemson and Boston College... Boston College, so I have them at six and six. Athlon has them at seven and five, but I have this team at six and six, going to a bowl game. But I don't see them matching the level of success they had a year ago. And the final team that I'll be breaking down here is the Indiana Hoosiers. They are the last team I'm going to be breaking down on today's edition of what the FBS Yeah, the Indiana Hoosiers are the last team I'll be breaking down on what the FBS today. Just trying to find their notes and stuff. I can, my notes on the Hoosiers. I'm just having a hard time finding my notes on the Indiana Hoosiers athletic program. Conference with the same conference as Ohio State, Michigan, Indiana. So I can't find their. There we go. Yep, they are. And I know I said I promised a friend, Nick, uh, Nick Fargo. He has a podcast on Anchor as well. It's a Packer podcast. Um, let me. Let me see if I'm following it. Can I actually, um, I don't think I can check on my phone. 
right now. But I'm going to see if I can get Nick on the call or find out more information about his podcast, and then I will break down the Indiana Hoosiers and wrap this show up. We'll be back after these messages. Welcome back to the podcast here. Um, the Title Town Times is the name of Nick Fargo's podcast, and I did message him about getting him on the podcast because he he's in resident of Indiana, and he follows the Indiana Hoosiers, and he's a huge Packer fan as well. So Title Town Times is Nick Fargo's podcast. I, I did try to message him about coming on the podcast, but the Indiana Hoosiers, they have a lot of returning starters. They have at least eight returning starters, including two guards and a receiver and this two guards and the Miles Marshall those are the new starters but the rest of their starters are returning starters on defense they have three returning starters on the defensive line Jerome Johnson James Head Jr. Michael Zamba they have a returning starter Micah McFadden at middle linebacker they have Marcelino Ball and T1 Mullen, I don't know what the Hus is. Is that like a position or? Because Indiana went is eight and five last year. They're projected to go seven and five, but their Big Ten is going to be conference only, and Indiana opens up at Wisconsin. That's going to be a tough game. And if they're seven and five, but four and five in the Big Ten, that means Maryland, Rutgers. They might beat Michigan State. They, this team actually looks like they could beat Michigan State. Penn State and Ohio State should be losses. But Illinois, I think they could go 5-6 and six with this uh, record. I think they could go 5-4. and Because they play nine Big Ten games. But 5-4 and four would not be good enough for them to make a bowl game. And Watt Filer had 70 receptions, 1,002 receiving yards, and 5 receiving touchdowns last year. Watt Filer was the heart and soul of this team. Jerome Johnson had five sacks. He's a returning starter at defensive tackle. Jamar Johnson led the team with interceptions, as did Micah McFadden, the middle linebacker. Those were the two players that really made some key contributions to this Indiana Hoosier defense. And Tom Allen, you're hoping that Michael Penix Jr. can show that playmaker ability. And Filer's going to be a big player on this defense. Micah McFadden had 61 total tackles at middle linebacker and two interceptions. So, and David Ellis made some nice contributions as a special teams player. So, he's going to be the kick returner on this Indiana Hoosiers team. So, Indiana's going to have some good special teams. So, overall, I think Indiana's a 5-4 and four team. Nothing special, but they do have a lot of returning starters. They have returning starters at both offensive tackle spots, quarterback, two receivers, a returning running back. They they don't have a senior, but they have a lot of their same players returning. So I'm kind of interested to see if the Hoosiers can play spoiler and try to upset a team or two. Because I think they will upset Michigan or Michigan State this year. That is my bold prediction for the Indiana Hoosiers. And that'll pretty much do it for today's podcast. Tomorrow we'll break down the NHL games for Saturday, um, round 13 of the Banal Fantasy Football League. Break down some of the NBA games that returned tonight as well as preview another MLS matchup. But that will pretty much do it. Um, 
I do have a one last rant I'll get into before I sign off. It's about the Cleveland Indians-Minnesota Twins game tonight. Why is that on Fox? I think the Red Sox-Mets game should not be on Fox, and the Indians-Twins game should be, because both the Indians and Twins have winning records. They have better records. Indians are 4-2, Twins are 4-1, and one, and the Red Sox and Mets are 2-4 and four and 3-3. Three and three. It's almost like Fox is saying, well, we like big market teams better. Fuck you if you don't like big market teams. Because if this was football, it'd be Cleveland, Minnesota. That would be the game that's on. Because football, they always try to make sure the highest rated games. So to give me Red Sox Mets when the Twins and Indians are both winning and both field competitive teams, that is an insult to me as a sports fan. I feel insulted by that. I would rather watch the Indians Twins. I know a lot of other sports fans around the country probably agree with me. So on, I'm disappointed in Fox for that. But, you know, hopefully Shane Bieber could, keeps his ERA at zero and Cleveland can sweep the Twins and claim first place because this is going to be a big series for both the Indians and Twins. They, they both have the two easiest strength of schedules in Major League Baseball. And honestly, whoever wins this series could get home field in the AL. I mean, that's how big of a series this is because the Yankees, they missed two games with coronavirus. The Rays control that division at the moment, and the Yankees and Orioles played a game yesterday, so there's a lot on the line. But tomorrow, we'll have NBA recaps, round 13 of the Bamble Fantasy Football League. I'll recap my final what the FBS team that ranks outside the top 25, and that team is... That team is Florida State, and then we go into 25 through 1. So we'll break down a lot, and then 25 through 1 will be the last. We'll break down 25 through 1 on Monday in Florida State tomorrow. So tomorrow I'll recap some baseball games. We'll talk about the MLS tournament. We'll recap the MLS Union Sporting Kansas City game. We'll recap the two NBA games. We'll recap some MLB. So we'll be recapping those three sports. We'll preview the NHL games that start tomorrow, round 13 of the Banal Fantasy Football League, and then to end the show, we'll recap Florida State and what will be a short, fun, engaging show. My name is Chris Ransom. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You can like Draft Utopia on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Draft Utopia, subscribe to the YouTube channel, BitChute, we'll keep downloading on Anchor. We, if you go to anchor.com, com.fm slash draftutopia. There is a donation page. You can donate as well. So there's a lot you can do to help us grow our brand. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate all the support I've gotten in the last few weeks. My name is Chris Ransom. I'm signing off.